13, the well-being window, Gavin. Good morning. Good morning. Anxiety. Yes. What is it? And is it the same as stress? So, it's a, that's a good question to start with because we often confuse the two. And in some respects, they are, you know, two sides of the same coin. How I would differentiate it is anxiety is the body's natural response to stress. And typically, stress goes away with the trigger. So we were just saying before, I couldn't find my car this morning. So I was stressed. Then the car shows up. I see what's happened to the car and I'm no longer stressed. The difference is anxiety tends to stay. It lingers and it can be persistent. And as we'll talk about during the show, it shows up both physiologically and physically. And actually our our brains in some respect, which are, you know, incredibly intelligent organs, but they're quite out of date because our brains were designed for hunter-gatherer times. So there's a, um, you know, there's a tiger that's chasing me in the wild and my brain is preparing my body for that danger. So when my brain thinks there's danger, it does lots of things in, it sends lots of signals to the body. So my heart starts to beat much faster. And it does that for a purpose, so I can have a lot more oxygen to run or to fight. Um, Extra energy is fired throughout my body, so my limbs become stronger and and have more power. Um, Lots of emotions. And at the same time, the body says, I'm going to shut down what you don't need. So you don't really need your digestive system, so I'm going to suppress that. Now you don't really need your immune system, I'm going to suppress that. If you're a woman, you don't need your reproductive system whilst you're being chased by a tiger, so I'll suppress that. So you can see that what it was designed to do, anxiety, is prepare us for death or the threat of death. What it wasn't really prepared to do is, uh, or designed to do, is prepare us for school exams, social media, um, being rejected by a partner. So... What we find is that we spend too long with problems in our body, problems in our mind, because actually we've got this lingering emotion, this fear, this worry, this dread, and that's the anxiety. And the last thing I'll just say is it's really common, and I'm not talking about everyday anxiety, but actually 8 million people in the UK, according to Champion Health, they have an anxiety disorder. And about 60% of people in the UK have got at least mild symptoms of anxiety. So in some respects, the modern world we're living in, you know, there's an anxiety epidemic. Yeah, big numbers there. We're going to the first question from a listener here. He says, uh, first of all, they'd like to say, uh, Ciao, Gavin. Hello, Sarah. I cannot say enough thank yous uh, for the well-being window. Uh, I would have two questions this morning. One is, what causes anxiety disorder? And two, is always thinking worst-case scenarios, anxiety disorder, or something else, or nothing specific? So... What causes anxiety, we, we actually don't really know um, for sure. What we suspect is that it is a combination of um, 
genetics. I think the stats are something like 25% of people who are diagnosed with an anxiety disorder um, have got at least one um, first-degree relative who has suffered or suffers from anxiety. We know that early life history has a huge um, impact. So if we've been exposed to trauma, um, maybe the type of parenting we've experienced, depending on what's gone, we've been bullied at school, um, certain health conditions will trigger anxiety. Um, particularly people who've got thyroid problems, they are much more prone to anxiety. Um, and there's some sort of personality trait. So it's a very broad, we don't really know, we sort of think it's over here. Um, and I think, what was the, se the second part was, is I'm always thinking worst case scenarios. Well, is it, if you're always thinking worst case scenarios, is that anxiety disorder or is it something else or it could just be nothing specific? It may not be an anxiety disorder and I'll, I'll, I'll talk later about the difference, but it's definitely, it's a habit and it's not healthy. And I was saying just, you know, we had a, a brief chat at, um, just after the eight o'clock news and I was talking about lovely Dominique from Riviera Radio who said, yes, I'm, I'm often anxious and I'm a worrier, um, but it's just as well I worry because if I didn't, things would be much worse. So we get into this habit of, we think worrying is a way to to solve the anxiety, and it's not. Um, we tell ourselves through this kind of cognitive distortion, well, I must worry because if I didn't, it would be worse. So when we talk a little bit later about how we can manage anxiety, I'll try and give some tips how we can break the cycle. But if that person who's written in spends a lot of their time worrying about the worst case scenario, that's a sign it's moving from, this isn't health anxiety, but it's moving on the spectrum to being a disorder. Okay. I hope that answers your question and thank you very much for, for the kind words about the wellbeing window. Yeah, very kind. And uh, moving on, there's another email from a listener. Hi, Sarah and Gavin. I get anxiety quite often. I'm on medication for it and take a pro Propanolol, is it? Propanolol? Propanolol? <laughs> I don't know that. Uh, it's particularly bad when I have a handover as my thought process goes into overdrive, uh, stimulating the feeling. And uh, what can I do to help it? So we're already into um, how do we, um, how might we cure anxiety? And so we know that there's some stuff that we shouldn't do. And that's a bit like the worrying that or we think if I do this, it will make it better. So we shouldn't, um, we should be careful if we've got perfectionist tendencies, that will make me more anxious. Uh, if you're someone who ruminates a lot. Um, so beyond the, this person's on medication, of course, mm -hmm. there's... He's actually, sorry to, to interrupt yeah. you, Gary. He's added to his email saying, uh, my mother was in a house fire when she was pregnant with me. Would that have anything to do with it? And it could well be. And so, of course, one of these things with early traumas, you can never prove it, but there is certainly proof there is a correlation between early trauma and adult mental illness, such as anxiety, depression, and alcoholism. So mm. it could well be. Um, I'm going to give some tips later on in the show, but let me say this. Certainly we know, and the, the issue is we, we all know this stuff, that if we sleep well and we have a healthy diet um, and we cut down on caffeine and we cut down on, um, on alcohol, these are things that will help us manage our anxiety. Um, if you are someone who is in the midst of 
I'm almost panicking. I'm feeling really mm. anxious. Um, I'd say one thing that you can do in that moment is count backwards. Count from five to one. So if I'm sat here and I've got sort of brain fog because Sarah's looking at me and I don't know how to answer the question. And so something I can do for myself is I count from five to one. And if you add, um, count five things that you can see, four things that you can feel, three things you could hear, two things you can smell, and one thing that you can taste. See, feel, hear, smell, and taste. Well, I'll be waiting a very long time for an answer then, won't I? Well, I've got to do all of that before you answer me. <laughs> I'll count backwards quite quickly. Um, but something that grounds me. Okay, a faster, a faster way to ground myself if I'm frozen, I'm going to look around the room. And I'm going to think, what do okay. I see? Um, I see a chair. It's got blue stripes. Uh, I see a picture on the wall. Because what's happening in that moment is my body, let's go back to the, the body response, my brain and my adrenal gland is re is releasing this adrenaline. Um, this is the stuff that's preparing me for the fight Ooh. or flight. And whilst that's going on, my thinking brain's gone offline. Okay. So I need to find some techniques that interrupts the brain fog. And, I, and I'll, I'll give some more tips maybe later on in the show. Okay, now, I, I must say on, on the, the listener saying that, you know, the mother being in a house fire when she was pregnant, and would that have anything to do with it? Out of all, I think, the, the topics that we've discussed, and sometimes we have gone back to, obviously, childhood and how it affects you, I don't always agree on, on certain things going back to your childhood. I've never noticed that, Sarah. <laughs> I've never noticed that. I just that wanted to slip kidney. that in there. But... <laughs> What I would say is for anxiety, I would say we are taught it from... We, we are actually... Because you're not born with that. Children don't worry, do they? We, no. They're taught to worry. Well, we experience worry. It's both. Because if I'm an infant and I don't know when the next... You know, when mum's milk is coming next... Oh, I see. Um, yeah, I'm worry. already... My body is, um, is preparing me um, for a potential threat. So mm. I think we experience anxiety. What we hope... We do is have parents that will model this is how you can manage your um, anxiety. Mm. It's important because my daughter did say to me last night, she's off to this music festival, and I realized she was absolutely fine about going and was looking forward to it. But I think having spent the afternoon and evening with me, she actually said, I'm now really anxious about going mm. because you've managed to make me feel that way. Mm. Because I think she could just feel that I was worried about, even though I didn't say anything, I didn't, I tried to play it, you know, cool as a cucumber, but she could obviously see that I was, and she said, you're, you feeling anxious has now made me feel anxious. Yeah, and your anxiety was, for you, um, you feel like it's serving a purpose. It's like the parent who can't fall asleep at night until mm. they hear their kid coming yeah, home exactly. because once they start driving and, and actually, it's not making any difference lying in bed or keeping yourself awake to whatever the outcome is, which is nervous that, you know, they've had too much to drink or, heaven mm. forbid, they've been in a car accident. But it's, we think, this is giving me some yes. kind of control exactly. of the situation. Uh, so we've got to kind of break that habit loop um, because this is how habits get set up. Um, we, there's a, a, a trigger, then there's a behavior, and there's a reward. So the trigger is... Um, you know, Charlotte hasn't come home or I'm Charlotte's going to a concert. Um, the behavior is I'm going to keep reminding her what to do and all those mm. things. And the reward is, ah, okay, I feel better. I've done my job. <laughs> but the problem is it's a loop. 
And yeah. so we're, we're, we're getting caught in a habit loop. Okay, and one last question before the news, sport and weather. Uh, hi, so I was told that I have high-functioning anxiety. Is that a real thing? If so, is it good or bad? Um, there's a lot of questions. We haven't got into the into the what anxiety. So high-functioning anxiety. No, it's not a. It's not a. Is it a thing? It, it, it is and it isn't. So I would say medically or therapeutically, no one is going to say give you a diagnosis of high-functioning anxiety. I think sort of type A super achievers sort of wear it as a badge of honour that, you know what, I, I function well and it really drives me. And on some level, you know, I've probably got some anxiety now and it's giving me some adrenaline and it's motivating me to do the best job I can do in the show. Um, but actually, underneath it, people who have got that need to be a perfectionist or always performing well, the kind of Superman, Superwoman syndrome, underneath it, they're probably suffering from insomnia. There's, there's, they're probably perfectionists. And there's lots of other stuff that's bottled up that at some point you end up in a doctor's surgery with irritable bowel syndrome or something else because all of that anxiety has got stuck in your body. So I think it's a misnomer to think this is something good, because uh, probably it's not. Okay, it's the Wellbeing Window. I'm joined by Gavin Sharp. We're talking about anxiety. Uh, taking your questions at studio at rivieradio.mc. 9.27, the news, sport and weather is next. The weather forecast is brought to you by Nice Properties. Step into the next level of your life. Step into your new home. Partly sunny with a gentle breeze. Highs of 26 degrees in Monaco, 27 in Nice and Antibes, 28 degrees in Cannes and reaching 30 degrees in Saint-Tropez with a moderate breeze. This evening going down to 21 degrees along the coast and 19 degrees inland with clear skies. The outlook for tomorrow and Friday, fine and sunny. Highs of 31 degrees inland and up to 28 to 30 degrees along the coast. The weather forecast brought to you by Nice Properties. Four agencies from Cannes to Beausoleil and 25 collaborators to help you find your dream home on the French Riviera. Visit nice-properties.com. Finally, experiments involving speed dating show that we tend to deem people who look like us as more attractive because we perceive them as kind and trustworthy. Uh, the new study said that looking similar to someone can create a sense of kinship, uh, which can lead uh, to more pro-social behaviour and a greater likelihood of becoming a couple. You're up to date. The news is available on our website, rivieradio.mc, and you can check out our Facebook page, 106.5 Riviera Radio, and 940. Gavin Sharp is with me. It's the well-being window. We're talking about anxiety. What is anxiety? How can we control it? Uh, Gavin, we've got quite a few questions to get through, so shall I continue? Okay, let's go for it. Okay, so hi, Sarah. Hi, Gavin. Uh, how does today's show relate to panic attacks? I've suffered with these periodically, but I wouldn't describe myself as overly anxious. Uh, can I pass these to my children? So I, I, I truly feel for this individual. Panic attacks are, um, for anyone who suffered this, they'll know this, are um, really horrendous. And for the person who's having a panic attack, it's pretty much the same symptoms as having a heart attack. And so there's this 
and and for people of panic attack, there's no warning sign, so it comes on very suddenly, um, and there's this intense fear. So there's um, often chest pain and chills or sweats, and um, so I, and I think that with with yes, it's connected to anxiety for sure. It's kind of anxiety on steroids, and you know, it's if anxiety is caused by release of adrenaline, um, the adrenaline is just pouring into um, someone's body, which causes the mind to race and then all these irrational thoughts. And hopefully someone who suffered from panic attacks, they get better at realizing that they're very time limited because the adrenal gland actually becomes exhausted. So that actually the, the panic attack cannot last for that long. They have these thoughts, am I going to die? Um, breathing into a paper bag. Now, you may not have a paper bag with you, so but the breathing is really important. With anxiety, basically anything that breaks the cycle, anything that shifts your focus away from the racing thoughts. Um, anxiety, is. will you pass it on to your children? It's unlikely. Um, it's not something which is hereditary. Um, as I said at the very beginning, there is an element of genetics, but I don't think because you suffer from panic attacks, it's a foregone conclusion. It's unlikely that your child will have panic attacks. Okay, well, thank you very much for your email. I hope that helps. Uh, moving on. Hi, Sarah and Gavin. Uh, thanks for the show. Uh, my mother tried to abort with me. Is that a cause of my inherent feeling of anxiety and fear of social interaction, being always worried that I have said and done the wrong thing? It's a really interesting question, and it's a rather like the other question about childhood. You know, we we can't know um, these things. Of course, when we find out that a bit about it's like discovering we were adopted, or we discover that you know, mum had maybe postnatal depression when we were younger. Sometimes we find these things out, and we we join dots, or we make intelligent guesses. It sounds like that person is has social anxiety disorder, which is one of the anxiety disorders, um, which is this irrational fear of being judged, um, of being watched. And that typically starts in kind of teenage years. Um, and someone with social anxiety disorder, you know, they, they, you know, you know, we know them when you meet them at a party, you go and say hello and immediately they're red like a beetroot and they're shaking and sweating. And then I start shaking and, and we're well, not quite shaking, but I'm now feeling their anxiety. It's almost Charlotte's point of now you're making me anxious. So I'm sort of making light of it, but it is tough. I don't know whether there's a connection, but you know, all of these things, they, they impact our way of being in the world. And therefore it's, how can we manage it? What do we do if we're walking into a room and we know that we're one of those people that feels anxious. Okay, I um, hope that helps. Thank you, Gavin. Uh, moving on, uh, Sarah and Gavin. Hi. I never used to worry. I never used to be very anxious. I seem to have got uh, more and more anxious as I've got older. Is this typical of everybody or is it an exception? Again, it sort of degrees because I think on some level, as we get older and we're more aware of our existence and, and um, the, the existential angst can, can grow. Uh, so I think some anxiety is, um, is not uncommon. Uh, if that anxiety, you know, it's how do we know that this isn't healthy anxiety? How do we know that it's actually sort of um, 
getting out of control. And I would say to anyone listening, when you're at that point where you think this is starting to interfere with my everyday life, if I'm in the middle of this show and I'm suddenly not making eye contact with you, so I can see Sarah through a screen um, and I'm suddenly looking away or I've got papers on my desk and I'm dropping them and, you know, the anxiety is taking over my ability to function. And if it's persisted, I think the doctors will say for a period of six months. Um, But, you know, if it's something which is persistent, you know, it's interfering with your mind and it's interfering with your body. So... Healthy anxiety, yes, we understand it's there. Worrying about things is um, is normal. Um, but when we are finding that this is persisting, it's impacting my relationships, I'm taking it home, I'm taking it to the office, then I have a, a, a problem with my anxiety. Can it be related to depression or are they separate disorders? Um, it can be related, and they often go together. So sometimes we, 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 we call them sort of, you know, comorbid um, disorders. They happen at the same time. Um, so biologically, they're quite similar. We tend to experience them differently. So with anxiety is more about I'm fearful of the future. Um, I've got a meeting this afternoon, and my thoughts are racing, and what's going to happen, and will I be able to deliver? And then my muscles are getting tense. I can't really concentrate. So it's something that's going to happen. That anticipatory fear, that's the anxiety. Depression is more a sense of hopelessness. It's more um, I feel worthless or you know, sudden changes in my appetite. Um, so there is an overlap and they can occur sequentially or they can co-occur. And you know what I'd say with all of this is if you think you have issues with anxiety, first stop always, go see your doctor, um, go and make sure, because sometimes the problem is, oh, you're suffering from anxiety, or we can see that the anxiety is caused by your diabetes or by something else. Okay, so we so. always want to understand, is this something that's on its own or is this something that is related? You know, you, you were sharing a thing before about the presenter. It was really sad. She's 61 years old, Fiona Phillips, and mm. suffering from dementia. And so there, you know, there would have been anxiety um, at some point that, and she's got a history of dementia. So she's suffering from anxiety and not sure what it is. And then Obviously, she gets the diagnosis, and of course, that's going to add to the anxiety. So it's sometimes really hard to separate where does this fit in? Is it on its own, or is it related to something else? Yeah, exactly, because when I read that this morning, I didn't actually know that anxiety was a symptom of Alzheimer's, because yeah. that's what they were saying. She yeah. started to get brain fog and anxiety, and then was diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's. So, yeah. Yeah, very, very sad. Um, right, moving on, uh, how I'm, I am anxious, I know I'm anxious, I've been diagnosed with anxiety, how could I cure it? Well, I think with anxiety it's about really, it's about managing it, because it's not something that necessarily we, we cure. So it's kind of how do I live with it and how do I manage it? So, as I said before, anything that shifts the focus, if you are sitting there worrying or fretting, um, break the cycle. Um, go for a walk, do some exercise, watch some TV, do something that is going to shift your focus. I was saying before, count backwards. Um, you can um, 
you can have a worry jar. Um, sounds a bit trivial, but it can work. So you sit and you wait. You wait. You write your son, Jonathan Wass. You write your worries on a piece of paper, and you cut them up and you put them in the jar and you keep going. And then you put the jar on a shelf and you go for a walk. And it, as ridiculous as it sounds, sometimes it can be. Oh, that's okay because my worries are on the top shelf in the kitchen. Um, and if you haven't got the pieces of paper, imagine yourself doing it. Um, sometimes it can be as well as looking around the room. Do something that grounds you. Pick up an object. How does it feel? Um, is it soft? Is it light? Is it rough? When you're doing this, you're tricking your brain. And you're taking your brain away from all of these racing thoughts to um, I'm feeling the paper cup or I'm feeling the chair or the, the, the desk. So things that shift your focus will help you. And then it's lifestyle stuff. It's all the stuff that we know. As I said before, it's the diet stuff. You know, nutritionists can play a really important role in well-being because they'll encourage you to do things like, you know, eat fatty fish and have vitamin D and magnesium and um, listen to our show last month on anxious thoughts. Um, not, what, what did we call it? It wasn't anxious thoughts. It was CBT or it was, I can't remember. But, but last, last month's show was how to deal with negative thinking. Ooh. So it's catching the loop of the thoughts that we get caught up in. Okay, well, I think this is going to have to be our last question. Uh, dear Sarah and Gavin, my work requires me to deliver a lot of external presentations. I have a habit of ruminating after the presentation and I ruminate about things that I might have got wrong or could have done better. I'm not sure if this is anxiety or insecurity or am I just an old fool? I think you're an old fool. <laughs> I do exactly the same. <laughs> I do that all the time. Can you see what an empathic therapist I am? People come to see me and I just say, yeah, but an old fool. Um, yes, it's anxiety. And I think rumination is, again, I keep using the word loop because we get stuck in this repetitive loop where we think we're trying to solve a problem. So we keep going round and round in our heads. Um, lots of perfectionists will ruminate. Uh, people with low self-esteem will ruminate. And again, it's connected to perfectionism, which is, I must get it right. I must avoid the fear of um, making a fool of myself at this work presentation, maybe losing my job. So again, it's catching those thoughts. As I said in the show last month, it's coming back to me now. Um, Where's the evidence? We tend to focus only on the negative because that's what our minds are programmed to do. We think about the negative. It's the alarm system in our body. So we have to tackle some of those irrational thoughts. Um, your thoughts are not facts. We have to remind ourselves of that. Your thoughts are not facts. And again, if you catch yourself ruminating, pick up a book, go for a walk, shift your focus away from that anxiety because we, we re you recognize it. If you find yourself being irritable or restless or these thoughts going around or also look for the physical symptoms, you know, there's the, the dry mouth, there's the headaches, there's the, the nausea, the stomach cramps. These are all signs I need to break the cycle because go back to how we started the show, my body thinks something bad is going to happen and my body is preparing me for something really dramatic. It's preparing me for that saber-toothed tiger that's going to eat me. And actually, 
No, it's a work presentation. So get your body's alarm system off and slow down. And the last thing I'll say, probably advice to me right now is breathe. Um, because I'm trying to get a lot in. Breathing is about the most effective tool that we have. Slow breaths. And if you do that, and I've said this many times before during the shows, do that for two or three minutes and you will calm your whole nervous system. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Gavin. We've run out of time already. Where's my Uh, stress and anxiety? (laughs) Uh, What's it going to be next month for the wellbeing window? Well, we're off next month because it's the August. Uh, It's, oh... Oh, you, you might be. I'm not. I think I'm still here. Okay, so you're not so here next month. I'm not here next month. So uh, I don't know. So if I'm open to ideas for people to, if they want to write in to, to me or to you, what would be useful? Is it something that we've covered before that people would like us to cover again? Um, and um, yeah, I was thinking possibly doing a show on anger. Um, but I'm not sure if that's going to be a bit, um, you know, breakfast show and anger. Uh, What's wrong with that, then? <laughs> what do you mean by that, Gavin? Exactly. Not a problem with that, no problem with that. Oh, we'd better do some <laughs> passive, passive-aggressive work as well. Um, so, anyway, yes, writing, if you, if you are interested in a particular topic, I'll do my best to cover it, uh, and that will be first Wednesday in September. September. And where are you off to, then? I am off to the sunny states. I'm off to the sunny state of California. Oh, lucky you. Somebody's yeah. had a good year. <laughs> <laughs> Can I come with you? <laughs> well, that makes me anxious. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gavin, thank you. Have a wonderful holiday, well-deserved break, and, uh, well, see you in September. Thank you very much. Thanks, as always, to, you know, there were so many questions to, uh, to everyone. And please, I just stress one last thing. Yes, if you do recognise any of the symptoms, first stop is... Please go see your doctor, check it out, and, um, you know, we can live with and we can manage anxiety. Gavin Sharp from Riviera Wellbeing, thank you very much. Thank you.